Choke points. Let's go. Jerk go. moves edition. There are jerk I moves, and then there are really, really jerk moves. So uh, Chris asks that you please don't be this driver. What are we talking about? Yeah, this one is uh, egregious when it comes to being a jerk behind the wheel. And this is something that I had not even considered that a driver would do because it is so dangerous, totally illegal, and an absolute jerk move. Dave Manning reached out to the G and Ursula show to ask about something that he's been seeing a lot lately down in the South Sound, especially around, he says, Ording High School, Auburn, other places in Pierce County. And I need you to guys, I know you're driving, don't close your eyes, but I want you to think about something uh, and try to get a little mental picture here for you. So you're approaching a signaled intersection. There is a left turn lane approaching the light as you get up towards that intersection. There's a long line of cars waiting to go straight at that intersection, but maybe there's nobody waiting in line to make that left turn. So drivers no. are going into that left turn lane to bypass the waiting traffic timing the light only to swerve back to the right in the middle of the intersection to cut off everybody who's going straight. Seriously? Yes. I didn't even believe this was a true thing, but Dave uh, told me, yeah, this is happening. And he even sent us a TikTok video of some yahoo promoting this as his offensive driving tip number 271, calling it the fake left go straight move. I cannot tell you how dangerous this is, and I'm surprised that someone would even promote such a stupid move. But, I mean, I guess that's what TikTok and social media is about these days. It's 100% illegal as well, Incredi and also, in in also with being incredibly dangerous. And I'd never even thought that somebody would do something like that. I've never seen it personally. And I have highlighted Washington's law on two-way left-turn lanes before, so I want to go over that one again. So... I need you to go to that same intersection in your mind, okay? We have that same long line of cars waiting to go straight and say, yes, you do want to take the left turn at that intersection, but there are a long line of cars. It is illegal to get into that two-way left turn lane to bypass all those cars, even if you're just going to actually take the approved and legal left turn. Mm -hmm. You only get a certain amount of space in that two-lane left turn lane. 300 feet, that's all you get. Before you have to turn or else you're breaking the law. RCW 4661-290 states clearly 300 feet and those lanes cannot be used for passing. Also spelled out in the driver's manual in section 3-14. 300 feet, 20 car lengths. So if you're stuck in line, you just have to wait and get over when it's legal to do so. Now I was nearly hit while doing that from someone screaming up that left-hand turn lane from behind me, right there on 132nd in South Everett, kind of going between Archbishop Murphy and Jackson High School, for people who know it. But don't do this. The 300-foot rule, by the way, is something most drivers aren't really aware of. Yeah. Only 51% of responders in our recent MyNorthwest.com driver's test got this one right. As for the jerk move of using the left-turn lane just to swerve back into traffic, don't do that. I mean, what are you saving? 15 seconds, 30 seconds, a minute. I'm sure that's totally worth killing someone over. Yeah, I'm th and part of it, I think, is, uh, yeah, you have people who just are tired of careful driving and want to be offensive drivers. I think they, they like it because it's like uh, a thrill or something. Yeah, I, I don't get it. It's just so, it's one, it's incredibly selfish 
Two, it's incredibly dangerous and it's illegal. I don't, I don't, and I can't believe there's a, a person on TikTok promote. Well, I guess I can promoting something that is this dangerous. Uh, it's not legal. And even, you know, passing that lane of cars, even if you are going to take that legal left, you only get 300 feet. Do we know if the person promoting this is from Washington State? I don't believe so. Okay, because I wonder, you know, remember (laughs) remember when you had that little, uh uh-oh, when you were recording a video for choke points? Or what were were you passing a crime scene or something? And an officer popped you for having your cell phone? No, I was driving by a pretty significant car crash up on northbound I-5, and we were in the far left shoulder getting over. And yes, I rolled down my window and took video I was driving by. And I bring that up only because... I wonder if officers can pursue this person for showing them making an illegal action in traffic. Probably not. No. Um, Well, darn. So, but yeah, I did pay my ticket. And yes, I didn't try to get out of it and say I was filming it for news media. I didn't mean to put you on blast. No, but I did it. I admit it. I paid my fine for distracted driving. (laughs) Yeah, see you doing something even after the fact and they know how to find you. But yeah, I mean, if they they were to see that move, they could totally pull you over for that. Yeah. Um, They can't chase you for that, but they can totally pull you over for that because it's, I mean, it's totally illegal. Uh, not only are you breaking the law by getting in the lane and then passing, it's also, I'm sure they could probably give you a reckless driving on top of that because, I mean, it's just not safe. It's a great way to incite road rage, too. Oh, entirely. The same thing. You cut back over. What do you think? The person who's in the front of the line is going to be really happy that you just jammed in yeah. front of them? I used to think it was, you know, just like a parent thing. You know, my parents would always be like, oh, you don't know who's got a gun in their car. Cause it, well, and, but yeah. now, in the last year... The way shootings on highways have been happening, now I believe it. I just assume everyone's got a gun, and I stay away from them. <laughs> I think 300 feet is really generous, frankly. I didn't, yeah. real, I didn't realize it was it was that much. Yeah, you get 300 feet in order to declare your turn. Especially, uh, and we're talking about two the two-way left turn. Yeah, lane, these right? are the two-way left turn lanes, the one that, you know, we call them left turn refuge, refuges right. in But we have in one Oregon. right outside here. I mean, I, no, totally, I, yeah. I approach one uh, every morning, and Correct. I wait until the la- you know until I'm right before that street. Now, unless it's one of those, sometimes for busy ones, they have another curb to divide that off. That from, is that is true, from certainly. The street. So you have to enter it earlier, and you can't really, or, well, I guess you could actually scoot back in if you were crazy. Yeah, well, if you wanted to go way into the opposite yeah. lanes of traffic and swing back around. But yeah, I'd never even seen this as a thing, because I, I never thought anybody would be dumb enough to do this. But... I guess I've been proved wrong before, <laughs> and, and here we are. But yeah, this is, and again, I was going to post the video, but then I was like, no, I don't want people, I don't yeah. want to give this Yahoo any credit or any more views or clicks or whatever, because it's just wrong. I looked at some of his other offensive driving tips as well. All bad. <laughs> well, all all I, bad, I as you would imagine. By definition, offensive driving is yeah, bad. Definitely. I'm pretty sure I was taught that well, <laughs> defensive driving, isn't yes. that what I was taught? That's yeah. right, yeah. Yeah. 637 Seattle's Morning News. Put on your cape and your cowl. Emerald City Comic Con is back. Here's Cairo News Radio's Paul Holden. Don't be alarmed if you see space bounty hunters, elves, superheroes, and more walking the streets of downtown Seattle this weekend. Emerald City Comic Con has returned. I've been attending the show since its return from the pandemic, and this year's guest lineup has to be the biggest one I've ever seen. Yeah, we are incredibly excited about our guest lineup this year. As you mentioned, it is completely stacked, and we uh, we really do think we have a little bit of something for everybody. So we're obviously really, really excited about Chris Evans coming to the show. He'll be here on Friday and Saturday, Um, but we've got Jodie Whittaker from Doctor Who, Christopher Lloyd, Christina Ricci, the cast of Critical Role, 
Avatar The Last Airbender, Twilight, Guest from Supernatural. So, yeah, really just a completely stacked lineup. That's Chris DeLando, the event manager for Emerald City Comic Con. He says this year's guest list was so big, they needed all the space they could use. We actually have all of our celebrity autographing and photo ops over in the Arch Building, and we needed a little bit more space there, um, but also just had some pretty significant demand for exhibitors to come come in and showcase. And then also the programming needed a little bit of extra space to breathe. So we've actually got some panels and things happening over there as well. While the pop culture of today will be on full display this weekend, the lasting legacy of certain franchises like The Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, SpongeBob SquarePants, and more will also be celebrated. We like to say that pop culture is culture now. Um, you know, the, the those fandoms are the things that are driving just general culture nowadays. So being able to touch every facet of fandom is something that's really important to us. And when we build our lineups for the show, we really do try to make sure that everyone is represented. And there's no better way to celebrate your fandom than with friends and family. The amount of families that we see attending is is great. Um, we, we do a lot of programming for families specifically, and especially for those with younger kids so that they have something to do. Um, but it, it's it's something that uh, a parent can share with a, with a child, and I think that that's really, really exciting to watch. Of course, fun is the primary focus of the show, but it's also a chance for artists and creators to learn about the industry and show off their portfolios to some influential people. We have uh, about 500 tables in our Artist Alley this year, uh, which is incredibly exciting. Creators from all walks of life, um, right uh, on down from local Pacific Northwest creators, just kind of getting their start all the way up to some of the biggest names in comics who write for Marvel and DC. Um, and they're all going to be here this weekend, all at their tables, signing comics, selling original art, meeting fans, and, and just talking about comic books. We're excited to be able to offer portfolio reviews this year. Um, so we have some editors coming out from DC Comics who are actually going to be doing some appointment uh, portfolio reviews with local creators. And hopefully that's what they'll need to take that next big step in their careers. If this is your first convention, planning ahead and knowing what you want to see is key. If you want to have a successful day at the convention, Delando also has a big tip for first time attendees. My like number one recommendations are comfortable shoes, um, a bottle of water, and an external phone charger. And that's like the best thing that you can do to, to be prepared for the show. Emerald City Comic Con runs from today through Sunday. And I know you're wondering if tickets are still available. Tickets are still available. Um, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday tickets are available at emeraldcitycomiccon.com. Um, and I really, really hope that you can come and join us. I'll be the guy wearing the Luigi Mansioneers jersey <laughs> if you want to say hi. Of Paul course. Holden? Kyra News Radio. Oh, Costume cool. visitors love having their pictures taken too. They'll do selfies and the whole thing. It's a lot of fun. This is Seattle's Morning News. Good morning. I'm Colleen O'Brien with Dave Ross and Chris Sullivan. We have Redfin Chief Economist Daryl Fairweather with us this morning because we noticed that Redfin has added air quality scores to its listings. And uh, this was interesting because it's under a climate tab, which indicates that Redfin is also paying attention to climate change. So, Daryl, what was what was the reason for adding this to your listings? We started including data on climate change back in 2020. We weren't sure at first if it was something that our users would engage with. So we did a test period first and we found that people were clicking in on the information and it was something they used in the home search proce process. So since first adding flood, we've added other risks like fire, uh, 
wind risk and now air quality risk. And I've also seen a heat factor on there as well. So what was the reaction mm-hmm. from those shopping around from a home? Are any of these factors something that would make a potential buyer turn away? Yes. So we know for flood specifically that when users see that a home has severe or extreme risk, they end up making offers on homes with about half the risk than what they were previously looking for when they have that information right in front of them. I looked up my home on Redfin because I was curious what Redfin would say about the climate with my home and and all of the risk factors were low. The only one slightly elevated was uh, air pollution, air quality, and I'll have to pay to get that information. So how do you decide or where does this information come from to tell me that air pollution is an elevated risk level for my home? Uh, This data comes from First Street Foundation, which is a nonprofit that studies these climate risks. They have data scientists and climate scientists on staff that came up with these rating systems. This sounds unusually frank for a real estate company. Uh, and, and you're not, I know there are certain things you have to tell a, a buyer about a home, but I didn't realize uh, air quality is not required, right? This is something that you've just opted to do? Well, on Redfin, we try to show all the information that's available that might impact a person's decision to buy a home or sell a home. We've included things such as school quality for the local schools, uh, transit scores, walkability scores. So including these other environmental risks, it's just another piece of data that someone might consider. And we know people are considering it from what we see with our users' behavior. So what are some of the more important factors in terms of um, users? I, I, I know that um, walkability has become a big thing because people driving has become such a, a nightmare in many places that if you can find a place where you don't have to drive as much, that's a pretty good selling point. Yes. Walkability uh, is one measure of how you can get your local or your daily tasks done or where local amenities are, like how many restaurants there are in an area or other services that might be available. We also have transit quality. So if you're trying not to take a car and you prefer to take a bus or a train, you can see that on our website. So interestingly, in the write-up about adding air quality scores to listings on Redfin in the Washington Post, it points out that Pierce County in our own state is one of these high-risk places for air pollution. Do you know why that is? And have we seen an exodus of people living in Pierce County because of that? It's largely due to wildfire smoke. And that wildfire smoke might not be coming from Pierce County directly, but coming from surrounding counties or even from as far away as Canada Oregon and California, uh, there's just a lot of wildfire risk currently, and that risk is increasing, which would increase the amount of days where there is unhealthy air quality. Can any homeowner maybe trying to sell their home on Redfin who has these high risk factors, can they dispute it? Can they contest what you've listed as a high risk factor? Uh, We do uh, remove information if a home seller does not want that on their listing they can contact our help desk. So is climate change affecting home values? Because I've wondered if um, if the this problem would if the market would solve this problem, because if climate change, I'm, I'm seeing home prices in Florida changing because of the um, increased risk of, uh, of hurricanes. And I'm wondering if people will actually start to migrate to uh, to avoid some of these effects. Well, we know from our research, from when we just started displaying this climate information, that home buyers do take it into account and do seek out homes with lower risk if those homes are available. Uh, on In general, people are leaving places with low risk, like in the Midwest, 
um, or the Northeast and moving to places with higher risk, like in the Sun Belt, including Florida. Um, but whether people's preferences change or not for where they want to live, the cost of climate change will be borne out through housing costs, such as insurance costs. Insurance costs are going up uh, the most in Florida, and also they're going up in Texas and California too. So that's just another way that this will bear out in people's expenses. And when insurance costs go up, that tends to suppress increases in home values. So you're saying that people are actually moving out of low-risk areas into higher-risk areas? Uh, It depends on the risk factor. So for heat... Uh, flood and wind risk, people are moving into those areas. Think of Florida that has uh, all those risks. Uh, For air quality, people are leaving the West Coast, which has the highest air quality risk. And that's largely because of affordability. Seattle has become quite unaffordable over the last 10 years or so. And that's true in San Francisco and Los Angeles as well, where the air quality risk is high. And the air quality, you've mentioned wildfire smoke from, I think we're, we have smoke season now is what we call it. Is, mm-hmm. is that it? Or what are the other polluting factors? Uh, for, for Seattle or Pierce County, it's or West Coast. smoke. Yes. There are other contributors, though, living ne- next to a highway. You're going to have a worse air quality than if you live, uh, say, up on a hill away from a lot of car traffic. So there are some other contributors, but in the, on the West Coast, smoke is the one that is connected to climate change that seems to be increasing. But the bottom line seems to be that home buyers today are not just looking for their dream home. They're looking for their their dream environment, right? Yes. Environment is just as important as the features of the home itself. Daryl Fairweather is the chief economist at Redfin. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Your daily dose of kindness brought to you by Heritage Homecraft. A Denver barbershop is aiming to give its employees a second chance in life. CBS Denver's Tori Mason has that story. They don't have razors for you to practice in there. No sharp objects. Seems like a problem for a barber. But Gino didn't come from a fancy hair school. This is called an undercut. He learned behind bars. I might have plenty of practice with the inmates. He cuts at R&R Head Labs, a shop that gives formerly incarcerated stylists a chair and a second chance. He's been teaching in the prisons of Massachusetts for 15 years. Their owner, Jamie, gives employees the tools they need when they're not doing hair. The job comes with guidance, and he's reaching out while they're still in. The thing we've been doing is we've been working upstream, and we've been visiting prisons. He just visited Denver Women's Correctional Facility, where manager Deborah spent five years. The light we put in these women's eyes was, I mean, they had tons of questions. They, They were excited. They wanted to know how they could get involved. Colorado prohibits jobs from asking about criminal history on initial applications, but you can't ban biases. R&R wants to change them. This person is intelligent, they're nice, they're caring. For a lot of people, that's just not what they expect. Gino's sentence ended with a new start. I guess what they say is true. I'd probably be still in prison or or dead. A good haircut can really change your life. And I think I have a lot to offer to people who are going down a path, a dark path, and hopefully my story could change their trajectory. There you go. That is Tori Mason from CBS Denver. Looking for a credit card? If you want the best rates and terms, make sure you check out the small banks and credit unions. According to consumer man Herb Weisbaum, contributing editor at Checkbook.org, he's been looking into the numbers. And uh, Herb, let's talk about interest rates. How big a difference are we talking about here? 
Sure, Dave. Well, this is a brand new report from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and they found that large banks tend to offer worse credit card terms and substantially higher rates than credit unions and small banks. What they did is they surveyed the marketplace, and they looked at the nation's 25 largest credit card issuers and found that interest rates uh, are 10, 8 to 10 points higher than credit unions and small and medium-sized banks. It's a really eye-opening report, so let me just, you know, uh, the, the rates you're offered depend on your credit score. So let's pick a good credit score, someone with 620 to 719. If you got the card from a large bank, the average at large banks was 28.20 annual percentage rate, while the small bank for the same person with the same credit score was 18.15%. That is a huge difference. Run the numbers for an average card holder with a $5,000 balance, you would save four to $500 a year using a lower rate card from a small bank or a credit according to the CFPB's analysis. That's a big difference. Yeah, do the banks explain why there's such a big gap in interest rates? No, what the banks do is they're they're criticizing uh, the CFPB for coming out with this report. Uh, they say that you know the marketplace is flush with competition. People can pick the cards they want to pick, and uh, they don't see what the problem is. Um, I think it's uh, important for people to have information when they make these decisions, of course. because you know we hear the news stories all the time. You know the average credit card rate is twenty two percent or whatever. Well, but that's not the, the, the average is the highs and the lows. There's a lot in between there. I think people have to uh, you know th- yeah they. Say Say the rates are competitive. Maybe they're not as competitive as the bankers say they are, and people need to take a little extra time to shop around. Okay, now for people who pay off the balance each month, you still have some shopping around to do, right? Yeah, uh, because you're not so interested in the interest rate if you pay off the balance each month, as I do, and I'm sure you do, Dave. Yep. Uh, you're worried about the fees, and so uh, you need to worry about that. And the fees vary greatly as well. Uh, annual fees at large institutions were 70% higher. Then at small institutions, 157 versus 94 bucks. So that's something you have to ask yourself as well. And you know, you don't have to get a card with a fee. There are some really good cards that have no annual fees whatsoever. So if that's where you're at, look around for those. You don't know where to start. There are some real big credit card aggregators uh, like uh, WalletHub and NerdWallet and Bankrate.com, and they can at least point you to some of these cards that have. Uh, no annual fee. You don't really have to worry about the interest rate if you pay that off every month. Yeah. Now, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, it's been pretty controversial, at least with uh, certain members of Congress. In uh, publicizing these fees, are they just doing it to give people a heads up, or are they calling for some action to perhaps uh, close that gap between the two kinds of banks? Well, the CFPB, I think, has made it pretty clear that they think there needs to be more competition in the financial marketplace, the financial products marketplace, and they didn't hold back that they want to want to do that, which is why the industry doesn't like it. If you remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago, uh, they were talking about overdraft fees and how they were actually start regulating it. They were going to say you can only charge so much for overdraft fees. So this is an agency that's really trying to crack down on these junk fees and all the charges we pay. Obviously, the industry doesn't like it, but they said they're going to start to publish credit card pricing every six months months. The first report, uh, next report will be due out in the spring so people can keep track of things. And they're actually going to design their own consumer tool, their own web tool to make it easy for people to find the cards and the rates, all of the ones that are out there and not have to use these aggravator sites, aggregator sites, which in some cases get a financial incentive for favoring certain cards on their website as opposed to just giving you the facts.
Can Such I? a game. I Are love the, the rewards. But I wanted well, that's to what I was going to ask. Yeah. Why does that be so complicated? You know, rebates, awards, points, especially the airline points, which have, they're getting worth less and less and less because they keep upping the number you need to yeah. get any kind of, you know, decent flight. I wanted to ask you, Herb, in your experience, is cash back or are miles better? I, I don't know Excellent which one these days. Excellent question. Uh, first of all, rewards is the number one thing they're pushing right now. And some of the bonuses for these rewards are unbelievable, like 70,000 points, that kind of thing. I've seen some offers right now. Um, again, you only want a rewards card if you pay your balance off in full every single month. If you don't pay it off in full, the interest you're going to pay is more than eat away any bonus you may get from that card. So that's number one. I prefer the cash back because you can do anything with it you want. Points and miles, they keep getting less and less valuable. Uh, you may be stuck with a certain airline and decide to change your hotel. So if you get the cash, you can do whatever you want with it. You can take that money and buy an airline ticket with whatever airline has the best price. You're not forced to make a decision that may not be the smartest decision because you just want to get those rewards points. That's the way I go. And by the way, there are plenty of 2% cashback rewards cards that have no annual fee. So you, that's bankrate.com. Oh. That's what they recommend. It's one of the it's the best of both worlds if you do that. A no annual fee card that's 2% cashback. What's the point of the cashback? Do I just cut 2% off everything I buy. Because people hear cash and they go, ooh, I want cash. It's all game. David, David, what world do you live in? (laughs) No, he's so innocent, right? Well, I'm just trying to figure out. I mean, this is just so transparent that the, yeah. it's your own money you're yeah. getting back. I mean, it's a little reward for using the card that makes you want to use mm-hmm. the card more. Boy, yeah. you've never been a marketer, Mr. Ross. Come on. <laughs> I know. Well, I just. I Colleen mean, gets it. She's young. She gets it. <laughs> yeah, on. I've been screwed will, by the system enough. I, I will say. Holy, he gets it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I do. I've been poor. <laughs> okay. I. <laughs> I've been poor okay. when I was in college. Sure. I, I had to, you know, eat canned beans out of the can. Aww. But um, uh, I will say, the they credit didn't cards. Have cans when you were in college. <laughs> <laughs> it was all salt pork. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so the the credit cards do offer a service which I value, which is yes. if you get screwed over. They will mm-hmm. take the charge off lickety split, which doesn't happen if you were using cash. So okay, I, I'm or a debit card or, or a debit or card. a debit card. Exactly right. So uh, I, that's the way I justify the little, little games they play. But still, I think it'd be a lot easier if I just got the discount right there when I paid for it. Yeah, that's the one real benefit of using a credit card. The any fraud protection, especially if you're shopping yep. online or something like that, you can go and, and ask for a charge back. They will take care of it. Uh, by the way, one other thing: if you do a lot of traveling and you know you're going to be doing a lot of traveling. Getting a rewards card from an airline can be very valuable, even if the fee is really high. If you need to use the lounge, if you get the pre-priority boarding, if you get the free luggage, etc. So there may be some cases, especially for people who travel a lot, where the points and miles would be uh, better than getting Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Cashback uh, for Mr. Ross. But uh, that, and then there are some people who do that. That could be very, very valuable for them. You may get a lot of upgrades if you do a lot of traveling. Consumer man Herb Weisbaum. Thank you, Herb. Okay, David. And that's Mickey time. Hi, Mickey. Hi, good morning. We all know that uh, Seattle residents make some of the highest salaries in the country. Yeah, they do. But now we we have actual numbers. Mm -hmm. So tell us about these. Well, what's really interesting is that the tech industry still rules. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we know for high salaries. And this is according to uh, Glassdoor, which is an online review and comment site for workers and past workers. I don't know if you've ever gone on Glassdoor and left a review for a, a company that you've ever worked for. But um, Seattle, 
area tech employees have the highest salaries, an average of $125,000 a year, according to all of the comments. And that is nearly $25,000 higher than the average American techie. It's not bad at all, if you ask me. Aerospace and defense came in second place with about $100,000 a year. And these are averages, by the way. And then telecommunication dials in at a close third with $98,000. What kind of a job can you get in telecommunication? Maybe it's just because... Installer. Oh, installing. Mm-hmm. I got it. Okay, Install, so probably yeah. not, not for me. But mm-hmm. no. pharma and biotech, that's pretty yeah. high up there, too. Yeah. Pharma and biotech, about 97000 Energy, mining, and utilities... Did pretty well, ninety two thousand. Uh, if you wanted to go into management consulting, about ninety one k. This was interesting, coming in at number seven, which I thought, hmm, are these people telling the truth? Media <laughs> and communications, ninety thousand. Okay. What? Okay. I was like, did our boss go and leave a review? <laughs> I'm surprised legal is so far down on the list. I thought attorneys were making bank. Well. Typically they do, but again, these are averages, oh. and these could be, you know, first year. Graduates mm-hmm. applying for jobs at local law firms. That's right. It is. Yeah. Glassdoor mm-hmm. are yeah. more tenured attorneys actually mm-hmm. using Glassdoor. Right. Exactly. Not, so. And then, of course, yeah. insurance. 83,000. You don't need a degree for insurance. You just really? need a state license, get bonded and background checked. And mm. yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. And, you know, what was really funny is that when we were back in Texas last week, my wife went back to one of her old practices and met with some old uh, doctors that she used to practice with. And they were like, come back come back and she's like show me the money of course they were all laughing and joking and then they were like no we'll show you the money and then they like one of the doctors actually wrote a number down and she was like oh no that actually happens people write numbers and they really write numbers down yes they do and um what was really funny yeah right yeah me neither and so um what was really funny is later on that evening she showed me the number and I, i like spit my drink out i'm like yeah no we we couldn't live on that yeah, the, the number was so significantly lower than what she makes here in Seattle. Well, so the Seattle, question is, yeah. is this good news or bad news? Well, this is good news for us because we live in one of the most expensive cities in the country. I mean, you've got New York, San Francisco, and then Seattle. Miami's up there as well. But in order to survive here, you've got to make well into the high six, you know, mid six figures, mid hundred and fifty, sixty thousand is a lot of the service industry jobs that we found were essential during the pandemic mm-hmm. and that are, you know, all of us dependent. We were just talking about you doing your own nails because you don't have a chance to go to the salon or, mm-hmm. you know, I think about the estheticians who take care of my skin and and the stylists who cut my hair and, you know, where those are essential functions. We all rely on them to right. keep our bodies healthy and yet they can't make a living wage. That's, this is very true and a lot of them own their own business so right. they're their own boss so that's probably why they're not going on glass door and leaving reviews, you know what I mean? That's the unfortunate thing, though, is that you can't necessarily work your passion and make the kind of money that allows you to live in a city like this. Well, you can, but you also have to have that side hustle. Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. No, it is unfortunate. (laughs) The side hustle is the new retirement. Do these uh, numbers include tips? Because a lot of those professions do live on tips. Does anyone claim tips? (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, well, wink. maybe that's what's going on here. Nudge. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Do we? Do we? You know, tip someone who works in the tech industry. I. I no, don't. I'm not talking about tech. I'm talking uh-huh. about the the salons yeah, that the you're talking industry. about, right? The yeah. service people. I don't know if they. If they. I think if you have a. I do know that when I have gone into a salon or when I go into the the you know to get my hair done, I always write my tip yeah. on the actual 
you know, receipt. I don't give a cash tip. Right. So I think they have to report that. But if you give a cash tip, I don't think they have to report it. There will be some places where they're like, we prefer t- yeah. tips no, I've and seen cash. a sign like that. I have seen. We prefer cash tip. I beg of you, pay yeah, me in cash. Exactly. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I think it's better living in a city where people are overpaid than underpaid, right? This is very true. But then, of course, when everyone finds out that you're overpaid, prices start to of go course. up. Yes. That's, 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 we need to make a living wage here. We need to be able to afford. Like, I would love to make the money that I'm making and then not have to pay as much yeah. Money for and rent, that's right? That's why our little our little afternoon out, my wife and I would go to a coffee shop and get coffee, and you know those little treats comes to like forty dollars. Oh, yeah. I just went for to Goodwill yesterday. No, I went to Goodwill yesterday. Mm-hmm. I bought four items, fifty two dollars. Oh, that's hope, not thrifting. I, I went to the quality. I went to the Goodwill Empyrean, and I found a table that I wanted, hundred and fifty dollars. I, like I did a story wow. on this how Goodwill is like higher price than most thrift stores. Even yeah. secondhand stores. Inflation yeah. inflation. inflation. Thrifting. I got a fifteen dollar haircut yesterday. Oh, be Good for you. High and tight. Mm, I couldn't you tell. You buy your clothes at Costco. <laughs> yeah, that is also true. And the yeah. outlet mall. That's right. I love haven't it. haven't paid full price for anything in years. I need to go shopping yeah. with you, Sully. <laughs> Thank you, Mickey. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Colleen O'Brien. Thanks for listening to Seattle's Morning News. You can hear us live every morning on 97.3 FM or subscribe to this podcast and you'll never miss the show.